Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Dr. Pooja Lakshman. She's a psychiatrist and author specializing in women's mental health. She's a frequent contributor to the New York Times and the founder of Gemma, the first digital education platform dedicated exclusively to women's mental health. Dr. Lakshman is passionate about empowering women and sees her clinical work as a perinatal psychiatrist as an extension of this mission. We're going to be talking about mom guilt today, stress, self-care, the anxiety of this pandemic moment, and how we can reclaim ourselves amidst it all. Welcome, Pooja. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So your practice treats women who are suffering from burnout, disconnection, disillusionment. Is that 100% of women right now? <laughs> I mean, it's 100% of the hosts of this podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty close to 100% of women <laughs> in general, too, I would say. But certainly, you know, there was no shortage of these conditions, even pre-pandemic, for sure. But over the past year and a half, things have reached sort of a fever pitch. And the solutions have gotten much less clear as well over the past year and a half, because there's just no give from any side. So it's definitely been tough. Let's start at a really granular level. So I feel like mom burnout is something that we hear that term. What does that refer to? How does that manifest itself? Yeah, this is a really interesting topic for me. I actually wrote a piece for the Times back in February for their Primal Scream package, and it was called... Fantastic <laughs> article. Yeah, yes. we'll link to it in the show notes. If you Very haven't good. read that Primal Scream article and listened to the voicemails, go take a minute and check that out. <laughs> yes, that was so... I was loved seeing that. Um, and the piece was called, This is Betrayal, Not Burnout. Because the thing with burnout, you know, burnout has kind of a triad of symptoms. It's this disconnection from meaning. So, you know, you're going through all the motions, but it all feels pointless. There's this lack of ability to kind of regulate your own emotions and to really feel like you have control over what's going on in your mind and in your brain. But the thing with burnout is that it puts the onus of responsibility back on the person who's feeling the burnout. And that's my problem with burnout as kind of a box to put people in. Because then it's just like, well, why are you burnt out? You should learn how to meditate. You should be going to yoga. You should be doing self-care. And of course, none of my patients have time 
for any of that stuff. And so in that article, I talked about how, no, this isn't burnout. This is betrayal. This is, you know, these are structures that are much larger than us. These are people in power who've made the decisions that they have that then put families, moms mostly in these awful positions where you have to make choices that don't feel good. And that's why I think kind of that frame of turning it back on our systems is so important. Yeah. And understanding that that might not be a breathing exercise away from fixing. Right. And I think it's really condescending to say Mm -hmm. to people like, well, just do some mindfulness as if that's easy to do. Right. Right. But you make a point, we've talked in the show before about sort of the meta-emotional states you can get in, I think particularly as moms, that you have this feeling, your burnout, your disillusionment, whatever it is, and then the guilt about that gets layered on, the feeling about the feeling, and it removes us even further from doing something about it. Totally. And I would say kind of in the past five years or so, I've seen that so much more in my clinical practice, that guilt and shame because of the burnout. I think that's a relatively new phenomenon over the past couple years where women are coming in and they're saying, you know, I have no time for myself. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. I'm depressed. I'm stressed all the time. I'm anxious. And then I feel like it's my fault because I haven't taken the time. I don't have the time to figure out how to take care of myself. And that added layer is, I think, new. And that's what's so painful, I think, for women. And and like so much of my work clinically and writing and in the social media space is like helping women to remember this is not your fault. Like we are all feeling this. And the reason, and if we're all feeling this, this is not your fault. I was talking to a friend yesterday about she lost her husband at a very young age and was raising four children by herself. And she was saying, you know, I just feel so bad. I just feel like my kids are going to remember me always yelling and being anxious. And I said, yeah, I've been having a difficult time with the situation myself. And I said, it's just, I just feel like I'm yelling all the time. And it's like, we put ourselves and our flaws at the center of the definition. And I was saying, you know, I think that your girls are going to look back and be like, I can't believe my mom went through this thing and survived, you know, (laughs) and that the yelling was a symptom of a real problem. But we kind of skip the problem and we go right to like, if only I could get more self-care, these problems, you know, we skip the problem. Right. Well, and I think part of that is because the problems don't have easy solutions. And the problems in our culture are like the answers to those problems are so contradictory. There's not an easy solution based on who you follow on social media or what self-help book you read or, you know, what your friends say. There's a million different answers and each sort of quote unquote recipe that you choose to try and fix your problems, there's going to be another peanut gallery that says, no, 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 you're not doing it right. (laughs) You know, you should be doing the other thing. You should be making the other choice. There's no way to please our culture as a woman, as a mom in particular. It occurs to me as you're saying this, I mean, I remember that new mom feeling very much. And you, a lot of your patients are new moms dealing with that very intense moment. You're doing it wrong and you're really not sure what you're doing. And it occurs to me as you're speaking that this pandemic has brought that to all of us. You're doing it wrong. If you're sending your kid to school and there's not a mask mandate, you're doing it wrong. If you're keeping them home, you're doing it wrong. Right? Every decision you make, there's no certainty 
You said something in the New York Times I want to quote because it blew my mind. I'm like, yep, this is where I'm at. In times of chaos, you wrote, the dogged search for certainty can itself lead to distress. It's seductive to believe that if you worry about something for long enough, you can affect the outcome. But this is a fallacy. (laughs) And I thought, oh, I really needed to read that today. (laughs) The search for certainty is part of the problem. Yes. And to be fair, that existed in motherhood and parenthood pre-pandemic. But I think you're absolutely right that the pandemic and just the utter systemic failures and guidance from the folks who did have the power to sort of make choices that could help everybody, that failure then puts the onus on individuals and families to make all these decisions. And it's moms usually that are the ones that are weighing all the data and trying to figure it out. And There are no right answers. Right. And I think that we conditioned to some degree to feel like there's a bad mom door and a good mom door and that (laughs) you're either going through the bad mom door or the good mom door and that you know, if you have a crisis and your spouse passes away, like you're kind of doomed to the bad mom door. And in this conversation yesterday, but I don't quite know what the other solution to that is. Like, how do we kind of get out of this feeling of there's constantly a scale and it's either tilting towards I'm a terrible parent or I'm a good parent. And when I look online, I'm like, oh, no, I guess I'm a parent, terrible parent because everyone else seems to be a good parent. Like, how do we stay out of that trap? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I guess a couple pillars to that or pieces to that. One is recognizing how much external stimulation you're taking in. Like who are the people that you're following? What are the podcasts that you're listening to? You know, (laughs) what is the information that you're taking in? Are you taking in conversations like this, right? Where people are actually questioning sort of the values and questioning the conversation, or are you just sort of blindly consuming the influencers and whoever it is? Like the perfect picture, the kind of like, oh, everyone's making me feel bad because it looks like they're making their Halloween costumes in August and getting ready (laughs) for the holidays in June or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Which we know, we all know that's not true. We all know that that is just a highlight reel But when you're surrounded by that constantly, it's so hard for your brain to remember to do that cognitive work of reminding yourself, this is not real. This momfluencer is just showing me a tiny snapshot of what she wants me to see, what she wants to sell me. (laughs) Right. 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 So that's part of it. The other thing I would say is like what I see in my practice and in my work is like the hardest thing for moms is to ask for help and to accept help. And to really internalize the fact that we cannot, nobody can do it alone. And it's okay to say, I can't do this and I need help. Whether that is making an appointment with a therapist, whether that is texting your friend and saying, Hey, can you organize a meal train for us this week? Because it's just not happening. Things are a mess. Or whether it's like going to your neighbor and asking if they can watch your kids for an hour, you know, just... That's so hard. And I think that gets back to this cultural notion of like, as women, we're supposed to be superhumans. We're supposed to have it all figured out. Everything's supposed to be perfect. We're supposed to know the answers. And if we accept help, it nudges us somehow towards the bad mom door. I I was out the other day just at school pickup and I've been having a tough month for different reasons. And somebody said, oh, we'd love to bring you a meal. Her husband's a chef. Like it's not that hard for him to make a meal. It's not a huge ask, you know. 
And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And three of my mom friends who were standing with me said, you do need a meal. Say yes, say yes. And it really struck me like, what is this instinct I have to be like, I mean, it would really help me if someone made me a meal, but I'm standing there going, no, no, no. Oh, I couldn't trouble you. Right. Because, of course, I have it all together. Right. I still have four limbs. So, right, right. Yeah. I'm not actually on fire. So why would I need you to make me a meal? Yeah. Right. Because it feels like a failure on your part. Yeah. And the interesting thing is from the other side, for your friend, if you could say yes, she would feel good. She wants to help you, right? It feels so much better from the other side too, to be able to give and help, you know? It makes so much sense. Okay. We're going to take a break, come back with more with Dr. Pooja Lakshman. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trust Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back with Dr. Pooja Lakshman. I wanted to ask about perfectionism and where that fits into this because it seems like that, is that what's keeping us from saying yes to the chef husband making us a meal? (laughs) It's a pretty good deal. (laughs) We're not asking for a friend, as it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, I think, so perfectionism is something that I definitely see in my practice all the time. And I think that it fits in this picture of sort of like control 
and wanting to portray a certain image and this really harsh inner critic that for moms in particular, I think is really telling everybody like you need to do it yourself. It needs to look a certain way. It only counts as a win if you've done it in this certain way. Right. And I think that especially for new parents, perfectionism is such a compelling measuring stick to use when you're in the chaos of trying to figure out how do I take care of this infant? If you're a first time parent and you're kind of like used to having some type of like manual and recipe book and you want to know the thing that makes you feel better about yourself is knowing that you're doing it right. Of course, you're going to want to put that internal ruler and measuring stick on this new role, this huge new role of being a mom. And what better way than to use perfectionism? Because Mm. for so many of my patients, perfectionism got you really far in life, you know, got you through college, got you through undergrad, maybe got you through grad school or the workplace. And it worked, you know, but you didn't really see the cost until you became a parent. That makes a lot of sense to me. Or the costs were not too bad. You know, you could kind of push through. It was workable. Right. Right. I also think another thing that the pandemic has introduced, and this is the same with new parents, is, well, I don't have it that bad. You know, we have friends who've lost their homes. We just had a huge flood where I live. There's people with all their earthly possessions out on the lawn. Like, and then I feel like, well, I'm kind of having a bit of a hard time, but I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm sick. It's not like this. It's not like that. It often feels like in this very chaotic time that we're in the middle of that somehow we don't deserve help or we don't deserve to make room for our own struggles because other people are really in desperate straits. 100%. And so What do you do with that? You know, is that just something we have to let go of for ourselves? Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. And that's something that I see with my patients all the time. And I'm feeling it. I'm like, I know I'm struggling, but come on. I'm not really struggling like these people are struggling. Right. Not enough to get the meal from the chef. (laughs) Not enough to get the meal from the chef who happens to be my next neighbor. (laughs) It's the feeling and then the feeling about the feeling, right? It's like, oh, I'm overwhelmed, but I shouldn't feel overwhelmed. I should feel grateful. At least I don't have my belongings out in the lawn. And it's the feeling about the feeling that's keeping you from taking action. Yeah. And I think the answer or one of the answers, right? Because there's never one right answer, but one reframe of it is to actually go back to that binary that you put out earlier around, am I a good parent or a bad parent? Instead of saying, am I winning or losing? Am I suffering or am I okay? Instead, opening it up to give yourself the space to say, just sort of think about the perspective. Yes, there's all these ways in which we're fortunate and we're not out on the street and we have a home, etc. And I also feel kind of bad right now and there's crap going on and it's hard and both can be true. Right. And my hard can be hard, even if someone else's hard might be harder. Like... Yeah, I'm hearing that today. I'm hearing that. Right, like it doesn't have to be a competition. Yeah, it's not a competition. Nobody's looking at that person, right? Nobody's saying like, oh, I can't believe she took a meal when there's a, a flood two towns over, right? I mean, the only person who's doing that, Amy, is me to myself. So there is one person doing it. It's me. I'm lying in bed like, I can't believe she took a meal. Oh, I hope she doesn't enjoy that steak from the chef. Oh. And I think part of that too is sort of like, there's a fear that if you do it once, are you going to just sort of melt into this puddle of gluttony? Like, is it just, you know, if you have this one night of relief, 
is that, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're not going to be able to pull it back together the rest of the week? Mm. And so it's sort of like, we really have to build this muscle of accepting help. It's like, you have to learn the practice of what does it mean to incorporate bits of help into your life and trust that you can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) All right. I'm taking the stake, people. This is, I've made the decision. I'm texting right after we get off this and I'm going to be like, bring me that stake. So something else that's completely problematic for most women is self-care, right? Is making the time, as you said, like the least useful thing in the world to say to an overwhelmed new mother is that they should make more time for themselves, right? Like, mm, yeah, right. I should fly to the moon. How do you frame self-care for the women you work with in a way that's useful instead of another thing to feel bad that they're not doing? Yeah. So this is something that I've been you know, thinking about probably for like the past decade after, you know, going through training to become a physician and being burnt out in medical school and residency and sort of constantly being told, yeah, like do some yoga, learn how to meditate, you know, which, you know, I've done at different points and gotten really deep into at different points, but it always, it always fell off the wagon, essentially. (laughs) And the only thing that really worked for me was learning how to set boundaries and how to say no, and how to make clear choices in my life and be okay with those choices. And so a couple years ago, maybe two or three years ago, when I started noticing that I was seeing more and more of this in my practice, in terms of women who were coming up, coming in burnt out and disillusioned and depressed, and then felt ashamed, because they weren't doing self care, I started thinking, kind of more deeply about, well, then what is real self-care? If all of this stuff that we're being sort of sold off the shelf, you know, the apps and the diets and the juice cleanses and the yoga retreats and all these different things, if they're not doing it because nobody has time, and even when you do do those things, there is sort of only a temporary fix. Mm -hmm. Right. You're right back to real life. I got a massage two weeks ago. And by the time I got home, I was like, all right, that's undone. (laughs) I'm open my car door and someone's standing there being like, there's no milk. And he hit me. I'm like, okay, that was a waste of a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars. Right. And the other thing is too, is like, I love getting massages. I love going, right. It's like, those are great, but you need to know what it is. Like you need to know why you're doing it. Yeah. Right. It has a role, but it's not the role we try to give it. So right now I'm actually, I'm writing this book and I'm thinking about it a lot. And and the kind of the frame for the book is that real self-care is not a noun. It's a verb. Mm. Real self-care is all of the internal work that you do to get yourself to the massage or get yourself to the yoga class. Because One person's yoga class can be completely performative. They could be taking selfies and posting on Instagram and just doing it for kind of the dopamine hit. And another person's yoga class actually can be deeply nourishing. So it's less about the thing that you do. And it's more about all of the internal work that you do to, you know, give yourself compassion, to set boundaries, to have hard conversations, to deal with the guilt that gets you to whatever that activity is. And And it can't be something that is sort of like prescribed by an outside source. It really has to come from you. And it strikes me listening to you 
that this has really, I don't think, ever occurred to me before. We talk a lot about like the playroom and people are always like, how do you organize the playroom? And we've said many times, the playroom starts at your front door, not at the bins in the playroom. Like what stops so much stuff from coming in? Mm-hmm. That's the solution to organizing your playroom, not getting 20 more bins. And it seems like a metaphor for what you're saying. And it's a way of thinking about self-care that I haven't thought of it before. Like the self-care isn't really getting the massage. It's stopping maybe the fourth trip to see family that's too overwhelming for you or taking on, you know, the role of class mom if you can't handle it this semester. Like in the same way, you have to kind of stop some stuff at the door because you're not going to solve it all with massages and yoga later on. 100%. And it's really about like getting clear on your values and your priorities. And that's hard because that means like really you hard. can't do everything. How do you advise the women in your practice? Because many of them, it's perinatal. So many women have teeny tiny babies at home, right? So they're not at the place yet where they can make time for that yoga class they love three days a week. They've got to start a lot smaller because they're so tied to their infant. How do you help them discern what self-care means? Yeah. So in that early stage, we are talking about sleep. Mm. We're talking Mm. about sleep and we're talking about feeding your baby and the decisions that you're making around sleep and feeding your baby. So a place where I see this kind of show up so much is around, and I know that this is a polarizing topic, but around breastfeeding Mm. and the choices that you make with breastfeeding. And I think it's so easy for women to kind of martyr themselves in service of exclusive breastfeeding or, you know, which is whatever expectation that you had in your head of what it's going to look like and underestimate the cost. Yeah. One bottle a week will ruin your supply, right? Will ruin everything forever. And so you can't ever yeah, sleep four hours in a row. Right. That it's not worth the cost of that you're saying. Right. Because, you know, from obviously from my frame as a psychiatrist, I'm really looking out for mom's mental health and mom's well-being, which is the most important thing, actually, for baby's well-being. So, you know, just a story that I like to share is like a, a patient of mine who was had a preemie. And so they were doing, you know, triple feeds where she was nursing and then she was pumping and then they did have to get formula, and, you know, because the baby was trying, they were trying to gain weight, et cetera. And this was going on for weeks and weeks. And she was, you know getting like an hour of sleep here or there, maybe like it was a mess. And she finally, she had this moment where, you know, she passed her daughter off to her husband who got to do the burping and the cuddling. And she saw the two of them in that like, just really loving moment. And she felt incredibly jealous because she didn't get to have it with her daughter because her daughter was totally fighting breastfeeding. And that moment for us was like, we just kind of like, dug into that. And we were like, that's not who I want to be as a mom. I don't want to feel resentful of my daughter. I don't want to be jealous of my husband. And that enabled us to then help her make choices around letting go of nursing. And I'm not saying that's a choice that everyone has to make, but it's just sort of like loosening up that framework for yourself. And it's also a metaphor that extends into teendom and beyond that, you know, Amy and I have both felt that feeling of like, oh, here comes good time, Charlie, my husband to have a good time with the kids while I go back to filling out the forms. And rather than sitting in that headspace, it's a great idea to try to ask yourself, like, how can I change this role so that I get more of the good times and less of the form filling out rather than just kind of stay in the place of like, I do all the work and other people have all the fun with my kids. 
All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk a little bit about Gemma Woman. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Okay, we're back talking to Dr. Pooja Lakshman. Pooja, tell us about Gemma. Yes, absolutely. So Gemma is the first digital education platform specifically dedicated to women's mental health. And it kind of is born out of my Instagram page at Women's Mental Health Doc, and then also my writing for the times and that I've been doing over the past couple of years. You could take class to learn how to have a vaginal delivery or to learn how to breastfeed or to learn how to sleep train your kid. But there's nothing for moms. There's nothing for mental health. So I actually launched Gemma last year in the pandemic, which ended up being kind of the perfect timing because everything was online. And, and what I really see is like Gemma being this big tent for women's mental health, for good quality evidence-based courses that you can take to learn how to deal with all the stuff that we've been talking about today. And one of the things that we've seen with Gemma in the Zoom classes is, you know, you get the videos, you get the recordings, you also get slides that have all of the citations for the research. So women who take the class, they share all the stuff with their partners, ah. you know, and it's like this perfect frame to say to your partner, like, hey, I just took this class. I want you to watch this too, or look at these slides or read this article talking about sleep, mm. you know, postpartum and how important it is. So like, maybe we should have a conversation about what we're going to be doing for childcare. I think that really gives women and people who identify as women the frame to have these conversations and empower 
It's interesting because we've had a bunch of people say on our Facebook group or wherever this feedback of, I had my husband sit down and listen to that episode about this or that, because I think it really does help having kind of a neutral third party rather than you sitting a spouse down or a partner down and saying, I need you to this, that, and the other thing, entering into some sort of education from a third party, that the usefulness of having this external source of education takes the fraughtness out of it in your partnership. And it also feels more solvable, I think. This is a thing. This is a thing that other people go through. It makes it feel less huge and also more solvable, I think, if you know it's a framework that other people are finding useful at the same time. Totally. That's actually one of the things that we just did around a kind of user research from our customer base. And that was the thing that kept coming out that women were saying like, the fact that somebody took the time to make this course means that it's big enough of a problem. (laughs) That's not just our family, right? And that is really validating and relieves some of this guilt and this shame. That's right. It's part of another, I'm in the bad mom door and no one is here. And then the minute you open that door, you're like, oh, everybody's in this door with me. There is literally no one who's like, I'm over here in the great mom door. I don't know what y'all's problem is. So who should come to Gemma? Like who should utilize this? I'm sure it's everyone, but like, what are people coming there to solve? Yeah. So, so far it really has been women who are pregnant and are really looking to prepare for knowing how to take care of themselves in that early parenthood journey. We have a good number of like second time moms. So moms who struggled with their fur after having their first and we're like, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Let me put in place some structures and some safeguards. So and then we also have a good number of folks who have been in therapy before or maybe are still in therapy and have struggled with like depression or anxiety or things like that, but actually have used the courses as sort of because it's different. It's not therapy. It's we're providing kind of like all of the information and education. So it's almost like a great add on to a therapy relationship that you can then take that knowledge and apply it to yourself in different ways. I really want Gemma to be sort of this big tent for all these different moments in your life, in your 20s, when you're making decisions about school and careers and relationships, Mm. in your 30s, when you're thinking about having a family, maybe you're struggling with infertility, you're trying to get pregnant. That's something that I'm going through myself right now in its own (laughs) interesting journey. So, you know, we could use a lot of support Mm -hmm. there. And then things like once your kids are older and like dealing with all of the transitions and difficult decisions that come with, you know, taking care of your own parents, <laughs> taking care of your children, balancing your career, right? The sandwiches, right? right? Um, like, yeah. So we really have exciting plans and big dreams for Gemma. Our website is GemmaWomen.com. I would love for folks to sort of follow us and there will be more to come. And remind us about your Instagram account, because that's where I found you. It's uh, Women's Mental Health Doc. Is that right? Exactly. At Women's Mental Health Doc, I focus a lot on, obviously, women's mental health. And <laughs> and I'm writing a book right now that will be coming out in 2023. So a while away, this whole book writing process is one that it's is lengthy. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a marathon. <laughs> yes, yes. And the book is it's with Penguin Rainer House. And it's called Empowered, Free Yourself from the Tyranny of Self-Care and build true well-being. So it's really talking about a lot of what we discussed today in our conversation, like what is real self-care? These are external problems. So much of what I think about as a psychiatrist is like, 
what is the internal work that we do that can actually then change the systems while at the same time not putting the burden, more burden on ourselves that we need to be the ones that are changing the system, trying to explore kind of providing tangible solutions for figuring out how do you have that conversation with yourself about letting yourself take the steak dinner from your neighbor. (laughs) I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Can we do a whole course just on that? And (laughs) I'm going to do a live stream. We're just sitting here eating steak and being like, see, I did it. Please have me back for that one. (laughs) Well, I feel like I needed to hear this conversation today. And I love the way you frame this question in some ways that I haven't really thought about before. We will put links to GemmaWoman.com. We will put links to your Instagram, all in our show notes so that you can follow up and learn more. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Thank you. This was a blast. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking